This podcast is supported by IFC Films, presenting Wildlife. Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal star in actor Paul Dano's directorial debut. Opens in New York and Los Angeles on October 19th, in theaters everywhere starting November 2nd. Welcome to the Film Comet Podcast. I'm Nicholas Rapol, the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comet. The new film, Wildlife, marks a first in a couple of ways. It's the directorial debut of actor Paul Dano, who co-wrote the screenplay with Zoe Kazan. But it's also the rare adaptation of a novel by the writer Richard Ford, who won the Pulitzer Prize for Independence Day. For our latest Film Comet talk at the Film Society of Lincoln Center, we brought together Dano and Ford on stage for a unique conversation about filming and writing fiction. Dano and Ford's dialogue goes deep into the craft with a fascinating openness. Moderating the talk was Film Comet columnist Eric Hines, a curator at the Museum of the Moving Image. Wildlife, starring Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal, is being released by IFC Films. Let's go to the conversation. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. So this is not a regular occurrence that we get to see the two of you together. I'd love to start uh, with you, Richard, if you don't mind. And because I'm I'm interested in uh, if you can bring us back to the person who wrote Wildlife, um, 1990, the the context of your life and also your writing career uh, that sort of brought you to write that story. Because there's certain aspects of that I want to visit or revisit for you. But I'm just curious if you can remember how you began the novel, where it started for you. Precisely. I can remember exactly where it began. I was living in Missoula, Montana, and I was living a little bit north of Missoula, up what's romantically called the Rattlesnake Gulch. And it was a year of forest fires, and there were forest fires all over. And I was um, in my house, and it's it's a it's a the declivity is very is, is very steep, and and I walked out onto the deck of my house, and really right across the little tiny valley there, it was a blaze. Mm. And I thought, well, if the if the wind changes, I'm I'm toast here. And and I because I'm a novelist, I thought I have to write about this. I have to write about this. This is a, what Henry James calls a donne. This is a given for me. So I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started writing it there in that house in in, in Missoula. And then it's not a very long book. Um, and then I moved down to Tennessee for the winter to a friend of mine's house where I could work on it and also go quail hunting every day. And um, first things first. And um, so I finished it down there in Tennessee. Yeah. And your protagonist, Joe, is 17. In More the or less, 16, 17. 16, 17, and it's 1960. Yes. Which is how old you were in 1960. Yes, that's right. So... Why is that? Like, why did you? Uh, well, I think it's probably um, a, a, ye- a year in the in the life of an adolescent boy or a girl mm-hmm. when you're kind of got one foot in one period of your life, adolescence, and yep. one tentative foot in the next period of your life, which is a young adult. So it's it's innately dramatic. Sure, I, you know things happen to you, and you and you navigate them, and you um, and you engage them in a very complex way with a lot of things that are not clear and the living makes them clear. Mm -hmm. 
There was a oh, story in the New Yorker this August, maybe? Yes. That, yes. that, that it was 16, right? That, yeah, I guess I'm stuck person. there. <laughs> I guess I'm just... I'm just <laughs> but and, and, like, when in doubt, make I, somebody be 16. I was excited when I saw that. I was well, like, so oh, was I, actually. Is... But, I, but I thought, though, uh, Paul, that it was such an old-fashioned story that the New Yorker would never publish it because it was, you know not so different formally from the kinds of stories that I've written in the past. But um, I, again, I was wrong. But I was excited when I saw 16 because it just uh, yeah. must have been such a, you know, profound uh, time for you. Uh, well, it was. It was age. a year when my father died. Right. And, um, and uh, you know, not to say that books that one writes are inevitably autobiographical, but it is still the case in my life that um, I think that it, for me, the working out of these stories is the working out of a life beyond a calamity, which my life never quite got to do. And so that the fiction is to some extent compensatory. But that's not a formula for how fictions work in general. Right. It's just how those particular ones right. didn't do or tried to. Well, I mean, it's it's, a, it's an incredible portrait of a relationship between a father and son, wildlife, and it's hard, it's hard not to wonder about, you know, the, yeah, because the sort of ability to sort of explore that type of relationship past that point during which you had. An you know, you get it sometimes with a with a, a set of subjects and a set of emotional engagements, you get a kind of a seam. And in in my job, if I'm going to take my job seriously, is to just mine that seam till there's no more till there's no more language left. And if I have to do, go at it and go at it and go at it, 25 years later, I'll go at it again. Because it's a, it's a rich scene because everybody's been 16. Everybody's, everybody's had that moment in which life changes forever. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, the end of Frank O'Connor's little story called The Guest of the Nation. These kids are just, these kids are, they're in the Irish Republican Army. And at the end of the story, the last line is, and, and anything that happened to me afterward, I never felt the same about again. If I could put that at the end of every story that I write, I would be, <laughs> I'd be really happy. So, but 16 is, that age is incredibly ripe. I mean, there's a, and there's a way in which every year we've ever been accumulates, and we're always that age because we've, we've lived our life through that period of time. But, and yet, 16, 17, that's an incredibly, you know, whether or not we've had tragedy in our lives, it's a, it's a, we, we become ourselves in some form. Is that... One of the things that you saw in wildlife in, in terms of wanting to explore it, Paul, was, was being able to, not just a story where there is a character that age, but it's really from the point of view of somebody that age. Yeah, so this is a good time to say that um, in, in our film, Joe is 14. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I actually find that sort of exciting now because I think for me, one that was an age where I moved to a new town and to begin high school in a new school in a new town is kind of a big deal, you know, to leave your friends. And it's also kind of the moment when I felt like I woke up and one day like my um, parents were different that age. So and the marriage different and just things different and moving. So where, where I am in Richard's book is actually at 14 and you know um, that might be the the resonant age for me if I ever revisit you know something again um, and I've also felt that you know trying to sort of just justify why to make it 14 that I think just to a modern audience I don't know 16 felt 
a little old almost. And I remember the feeling when I moved to a new town of like my, my family is all I had, you yeah. know, cause I didn't have the school life yet and I didn't have, so that feeling of the home being the edge of the world, um, mm -hmm. you know, in me. And how, how did changing that affect writing through the screenplay? And cause you had the novel, you had the events as they're seen through the eyes of, of Joe at the, at, at, at the slightly older age, how did that affect or did it affect how, the, the events and, and the way that you, whether he perceives the events? No, it felt, that felt like a natural, you know, tra transition, so to speak, 16 mm -hmm. or 14. And, and one of the nice things about working in a period is you're dealing with more essentials, uh, just meaning we're not having to worry about technology. We're not having to worry about the, the you know, what a kid is doing at 14 and 16 is really different, actually, in mm -hmm. high school. Like what, what music you're listening to is really different or like, you know, what, but that's not what this was about. Um, right. And so it felt uh, like an easy transition. And yes, like through, you know, the, the, the book is actually written looking back on the events. Um, and that was one of the big challenges immediately because right. Richard's language is so beautiful and it's so tempting to use this voiceover. Mm -hmm. And it felt pretty clear immediately that we should at least try as writers and making this our own to make it present tense, mm -hmm. but hopefully have the feeling of memory almost or the weight of nostalgia or myth or something, or, you, you know, just somehow have the, the feeling of that. But to start the film and just be with the kids experience of like, hey, like life's good. And, you know, life is what I've known it to be. And then stepping into you know, I guess adulthood. Um, it, it should be said that that's what, what Paul just described is an immense change in from, I mean, I don't like to, I don't like to use the expression, translate a novel into film. I just, I'd, I'd rather have it be that they use my book in whatever way they can use my book and then make a film of their own. And, but, but to change something that is in the first person look retrospective into, into a narrative, which is, present tense, all the verbs are present tense, is a, is a, is a huge yeah. ethical change. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge formal change. It's, 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 not, it's not simple. It's not easy. It, it affects the, the dramatics of everything. Because in a narration which is in the present tense looking back, you, can, you, can, you have a kind of zone of comfort because you know everybody's survived enough to, for this to be told. But you don't have that in this movie. There is, there is this constant sense of breaking action right at the edge of present tense. Mm -hmm. Well, and film is so interesting because film is, is it, it, it's persuasively present, but it's also always past because we are watching something that has been made and prepared. So like that sort of sense of past present isn't like always a factor when you're watching a film. And so I think in a way you have that as an asset that you can make something that is in the present tense, like your film and feel like the past, because there is a sense of, of, of like the scenes themselves carry the weight of being projected into the future in some ways. That's, that's good. I might take that with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it seems related to the notion of point of view. Um, that sometimes a way of selling uh, a first-person point of view in a film is to give a voiceover. So we're hearing somebody's voice in our head, which is maybe a sense of how a novel is written, where you're having that, you know, there, is, there are words from somebody um, that are, it's first-person, we're getting that. But you, that problem, as you're figuring out in film, seems to be a, a past-present issue as well, in terms of selling, like, it, we, in some sense, we are seeing the film, the actions through his eyes, and yet film is not 
actually through somebody else's eyes. There are point of view shots which are not from behind his eye. You know, like, so that seems like a related issue to figure out. Well, and that was actually really interesting in terms of writing the script and sort of exploring what if we had more scenes of Jerry and Jeanette alone? And right. we did that just mm -hmm. in an attempt at first probably to understand them. And I feel like one of the really intoxicating elements of Richard's book was the mystery of who our parents are. Like that felt really exciting to me. And probably uh, trying to understand Jerry and Jeanette was a means of understanding something, you know, in myself. But um, so we pushed it a little bit more where let's, hey, let's go off with them more. And then we felt no... The power of it is really in the reveal of information um, and information to the kid. Mm -hmm. But when we stayed, if we stayed just strictly with the kid, it felt too small suddenly. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, even in the edit room, there were times where there's a scene where we're with Joe out of the house. And then there's a scene where he's back at the house. And sometimes we'd jump ahead to like Jeanette. And then Joe would enter, and that's a very subtle, mm -hmm. you know, it's not sticking with Joe's point of view at that point. Mm -hmm. But the spirit of it is laid there from the beginning. So, like, I think when you start a film and it's clearly through him, mm -hmm. then you have the opportunity to, you know, play a little bit stylistically. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, with touching what, what perspectives. Happened when, what happened when you shot? Did you actually shoot some scenes with the two of them together? Or did you just sort of contemplate them? Well, no. Well, we shot we shot some scenes where like Jerry's at work, right? Yep. And then when Jeanette's like in town, um, and the boys nowhere. Yeah, and the boys nowhere. But there's just a couple of those in the film. There is a scene. There's a couple cut scenes. Yeah, of 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 solo Jerry scenes and solo Jeanette. Yeah. yeah. And, and did it just did it just feel distracting, or did it feel what what wasting of something that was that you thought was an asset? I think, you know, it's funny because we made such an effort, especially like making a period film on a budget to make our script as lean as possible. Of course. And yet there were still scenes that once we're in the edit room, it felt like we just don't need it is the answer. Um, we just didn't need it. Uh, and you get some of it back anyway. You get you get some of it back for just simply how much time Jeanette is alone uh, in the camera. Sorry. You, you you get some of that point of view sort of filtering back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember feeling um, when I saw the film at Sundance, uh, I was kind of blown away by how clean it is. I know the, I understand there's a I forget the word you just used in terms of it being a low budget independent film, so it had to be kind of lean. I think in terms of what was written and and what you could pull off. But I also just think stylistically, there's really nothing extraneous. There's nothing. Extra, and I think for a debut film, that's very you just never see that. It's your opportunity to prove that you can, you've got a style, that you've got something new to offer around the edges, and you just keep you you pull back from that. Um, and I hadn't read Wildlife yet. I'd read a number of your other works, but I'd never read Wildlife. And it was extraordinary to see how like I would use similar vocabulary to describe the novel. There's something very clean about that. There's not a lot of extra around the edges. It um, it feels very direct. But that's not an easy thing to then actually pull off, like how something works that way on the page and then how something works that way tonally, stylistically in a film can be quite different. Yeah. So not only did I respond to the book on a highly personal, emotional level, but if I could write, you know, I would probably want to write 
like in wildlife or in rock springs. It's just a type of prose or the, the, the way the language works that just I love. Um, and I think part of it is because there's a spareness to it, it feels like stuff kind of like bursts out from under it or in the spaces or something. I don't know. It's like, you know, one thing I said to the crew sometimes, just trying to like figure out how to talk about like window treatments, which I've never had to talk about before, like fabric, you know, <laughs> was I say like, it's like sushi, like it looks simple, but like, you know, it's not. And there's just something in the clarity of the writing. Um, and I don't know what you would call that. I'd be curious actually what that feels like to you. I, uh, I, would, I would call it premise. I, I would say that if, you, that if you're writing about the most important things that, that, that can happen to a family, you can, you can spare it down. Because you're never, what's, it, what's at stake, what's, what, what's important is, is never not in front of you. And so you can you you can do less than that because because the what's what's going on this family is disintegrating or in jeopardy of disintegrating and it's been told by its most vulnerable part. You've got so much going for you in what it's about that you can you can underplay it a little bit. You can underdramatize it. I always try to tell students when they're when I talk to them is to write about the most important things you know. And put those, make your stories be about the most important things there are. Because then once you have that going for you, you can do, you can, stylistically, formally, you can treat it any way you want to. I wonder if that helps the reader meet the characters. Do, do you know, like, bringing yourself to, because, like, when you're not overly told, I mean, I think this was one of the hopeful goals about the, the style of the filmmaking was to not be, like, reductive. Um, mm -hmm. you know, by overstating it or overshooting it or sure. overscoring it or over camera moving it or whatever, you know, because still for me, like as much as I could probably try to speak intellectually about like Jeanette, for example, like I can't, exp you know, like the, the exciting part is that you can't explain it all. Like mm -hmm. uh, that it's the, the sort of emotional part is a little bit bigger than us sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's why it's not minimalist. Right. It's not minimalist. It's actually trying to say every single thing you can possibly say about this situation mm -hmm. and, be, and be credible. You're not paring it down. No, yeah. no, you're trying to say as much as possible. And, and, be tr and, and, and you know, there, there comes a point, at, and I'm sure this is true for a filmmaker, there, there comes a point in, in every story that you write or in every film that you make in which you actually stand back and say, do I mean this? And you have to say, do I mean this? It's just such an interesting, different challenge for film because you're writing with the essentials in terms of what needs to happen. Like what you're right, like there's a lot to do, there's a lot to say, there's a lot that needs to be conveyed, but we're not necessarily seeing everything all the time. Where in film, you're seeing something all the time. You get all this other information. And so it's a remarkable thing for it to also somehow be spare and somehow be essential because you're right like the set design costume like they're all communicating something at all times even though that may not be the most important thing in the scene what you said is really true really true it makes making a film much more in a way demanding mm -hmm. novels stories are forgiving forms i think i think films are unforgiving forms mm -hmm. 
That's, that sounds generous. I'm not sure if I, <laughs> I... I don't know that I would say the same. You are, but, you know, yeah. This podcast is supported by IFC Films, presenting Wildlife. Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal star in actor Paul Dano's directorial debut, based on the novel by Richard Ford. USA Today raves Wildlife is exquisite, with Mulligan giving an awards-worthy performance that crackles and flares. Wildlife opens in New York and Los Angeles on October 19th, in theaters everywhere starting November 2nd. I know that, uh, Richard, you were not involved with the screenwriting process of this. Um, This was something that you gave your blessing to. I'd love to know a little bit about those conversations that, that what that entailed, you know, and, but then also um, then where you took it in terms of, if I read correctly, there was a draft and then Zoe Kazan became involved and then it became a real back and forth. And so that kind of handed off to you and then there being a twosome and then giving, in a sense, giving it back to Richard in the form that it's, that it is. Well, do you remember, I think the first thing you wrote back to me, I think I've highlighted it before, you know, talking about this, but you know, Richard basically said, my book is my book and your picture is your picture and you need to essentially establish your own uh, values, um, goals. Um, And it was sort of a shocking sense of permission from somebody you admire, you you know, and actually really important and a real gift at the beginning of a process to know to to be yourself mm-hmm. you know and and i think that that's so important in what we do but i think you're constantly learning that year by year to just you know keep uh you know doing you um there could be something intimidating about that too like almost full permission can be a lot well yeah but i you know i mean what you want yes <laughs> it's what you want but also it was there you know i mean i i wouldn't i would not have reached out had the roots of it hadn't already grown, you know, like, so it was, you know, in fact, I was nervous when we showed Richard the film because of how much of the book is in there. Mm -hmm. And we were, Zoe and I were like, fuck, is he gonna, you know, is he gonna be upset? Is he gonna (laughs) not like the film? Because there's so much. And then after we were talking about the film and you said, I can't remember what moment it was, but you were like, I love this moment of, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I, I said, well, I said, yeah, I said, that, that, that's from the book. And you said, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm sure it was. Well, you, I well it was you're so probably sweet. more right than I have any reason to, to think that I am, because I, I haven't read the book in 30 years. So I... Because you, you don't, you don't why actually... Would I, why would I read my book? I mean... Because <laughs> you famously don't read your books after you've... No, no. I mean, I read parts of them sometimes if someone asks me to in public, but to read those, sit down and read the whole book, it was just, I just can't imagine anything more unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I'll say one thing about what what transpired between Paul and me in our early conversations was, I I have over the many years that I've been writing books, had lots of people come to me and want, to do something with a book of mine. And they, and they always, not, and Paul did not, uh, they always say to me, we want to make a book that is really, f- make a movie that's really faithful to your book. And, and what they can't know is that I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 and it's not that I'm indifferent to the movie that someone would make, but I'm, I'm indifferent to the effort to try to be faithful to my book, because there is no faithful to my book. 
my book is just my book, as, as Paul said. And, and, and so to, to take my book and run with it and, and use whatever parts of it fit into a vision of, of, of his own or one's own, that's what you hope for. You hope that out of, out of the raw material of a book, you get a, 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 a motion picture that is actually great. And, and you can't do that if you're worrying about the, the felicities or the formalities of a, of a novel, which is, which is already finished and done. You can just have to kind of use it, sort of, just sort of pick and choose of its parts. Mm -hmm. so, so when Paul said, you know, we said that was in the book, no, it wasn't. I, all I think about is his movie. I don't think about my book. Mm -hmm. I just think about his, 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 his picture. Did you recognize the characters? Well, yeah. I mean, I, well, that's an interesting question. Um, the first time I, I've seen the movie now twice, and the, the, the first time there's always a, there's always a kind of an abruptness, um, which is to say that, that, that he, he chooses a house where this takes place. It isn't the house that I have in my brain. He, he chooses an actor, and this young Oxenbolt boy, he's a boy, I don't know, he maybe he's 30 years old, I don't know how old he is. But, but, but he chooses this, and that's a, different, that's a different look from the boy that I had in my mind. Everything's slightly different, so you're, 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 it's, it's a, a kind of assault, not an un, but, not, it's an, it's, it's, but, but it's not really different from the assault that any movie makes upon any moviegoer. So that when I then saw it a second time, I completely conceded everything that I, I completely forgot my my book, and 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 I, I even told Paul this yesterday. I just when I saw it again, I just liked it all the more because I didn't those 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 lines that connected the film to my book were now finally uh, frayed and, and and all but gone, which is what I wanted. Did, did, so this is, you know, um, I think rare in terms of, uh, you know, ego or wisdom to know that a uh, being overly faithful to a book is not going to no. make a film. I, I don't know that every writer knows that is what I'm saying. And, but d d does any of that come from your experience in Hollywood when you were a younger person? Because you were there yeah. briefly, which, yeah, which well, everyone for may not know. Yeah, well, I've been for two or three years and working for Paramount. I... Well, I did try to turn a book of mine into a, into a film, working at Paramount, unsuccessfully. And I, I may have learned something about fidelity to a book, because when you turn a book that is your own book into a movie, there's, there's just a kind of a, an inexorable wish on your part to hang on to the best parts. Mm -hmm. and, and that almost always um, corrupts the film, when you're hanging on to things which are not integral to to, to some other vision, which is going to be the filmic vision. So I, I may have learned something. It's hard to believe I, I did, but I may have. I may have. <laughs> but mostly it was people calling me on the phone and saying bullshit to me about, oh, we're going to be very faithful. But I said, don't, don't, don't. And so I would end up driving these people away at some point. I said, no, no, don't talk to me anymore. Make your film. But I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit then about, um, I mean, it, it's, it, this is not me like writing or you know, writing onto the experience of the film, something that, or writing the film uh, that uh, sort of like matches into some, 
gender dynamic that we might expect it to be. But I'm really curious about a husband and wife team writing a screenplay about a husband and wife, um, and if the the back and forth had to do with certain shaping of those two characters in particular, how that played out. Yeah. So this, you know, it's funny because I don't think that we looked at it that way mm -hmm. for us. You know, I think. I wrote a first draft. It was not in screenplay format. It was really a kind of gut response to the book. Um, it was mostly written by the image almost. And Zoe's a proper writer. She brought an incredible sense of structure to the material. I would say my way in was through the kids. She might have come in a little bit more through Jeanette, but I don't think as a couple we came at it about the marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think luckily we get along. You know, we like each other for the most part. And that just wasn't what it was about. You know, it was, it was about family. Um, it was about, and it was about the kids seeing the parents change and their marriage change. So it was always through him. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of it was more about how much do we show? Um, what's the line between, we want the audience to feel the parents struggle, but we don't want to explain everything. And there's a, you know, you want to do your homework and know the intent behind things and the actor is going to ask you and, you know, but so how to kind of strike that balance of, you know, a little bit of mystery, but enough clarity that it's felt. And a lot of it is just how do you turn beautiful, I mean, being inspired image or action wise from, you know, language um, and just kind of taking feelings. I mean, there's a passage in the book, I remember 20 something pages in where the Boy's watching his mom teach swim class, and he's imagining the people around her saying, like, there's a woman with a good smile, or there's a woman with a good figure to her credit, or something, but it feels like he knows that something is maybe a little bit off or wrong, or, you know, at home, and that was the feeling to me of growing up. Like, you know, I knew something at home wasn't right, but out in the world, we were like, life's great, you know, and just that nobody, you know, that I don't know your like stories, you know, and, you know, we take these photos smiling and um, I think trying to understand how to translate, not translate, but be inspired by a paragraph like that probably led to something to do with the portrait idea, you know, yeah. um, I don't know if it actually did. I'm just thinking that yeah. now, yeah, yeah. but how do you, you know, um, uh, and we stayed away from the book for a while. Zoe and I traded drafts and then at a certain point we went back to it um and to see you know what we left behind and what we didn't and learn from it again be inspired by it again of course the production team i think the book was essential in spirit just in terms of the time and the place and again the uh the, the, it's so beautiful um the, the 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 writing and i think it gave everybody you know something uh whether it was you know a design member or or, or an actor um part of my, my my question to you richard about do you recognize the characters is because there's this there's this way in which uh there are characters that were written in a novel and that are make their way into a script and to screenwriters working their way through creating those characters and then they get handed to actors who then interpret that differently or create, you know, I'm just, I'm wondering how, you know, in some ways, how far away can you go from the original source and still maintain the, the, the spirit or the, the, the true core of those characters? Um, and, 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 and in a sense, is that even an ambition? Cause you're saying in some ways, like take it far away. But I do think that the power of those characters is something that you do really want to you really want to carry that forth. 
Well, you certainly want to start. I shouldn't say you want to start with it. You can start with it. Um, you can start with something that makes you have a, what Catherine and Porter called a commotion. You, you read a book and you feel something in your chest. Mm -hmm. you, you know, something, it's, it's affected you in some way. But what you ultimately do, it's, it's, it's not very different from beginning a novel and beginning a story and ultimately writing it to its end and then writing it back to its front and writing it back to its end again. You get fairly far away from your initial responses to the material. If it's my material or if it's, or if it's somebody else, you just run with it. You just, you just take it. And I mean, there, it's, it's, it's interesting to me uh, about Jeanette because I, I think that Paul uh, certainly found something in Jeanette that when I was writing that book, I did not find, mm. and I, which I left a little bit blurry, mm. which I think in a way he particularizes and makes much more, much more precise than I made it in the book. So, I mean, I... I, you're you're not beholden. You're not beholden, except that this is where you start. Mm -hmm. That 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 character in particular is one I was curious about your feelings and and whether or not it, it, it yeah, more precise is an interesting way. I, I don't even like my own my, my my own locutions here, but the film that Paul made comes to a different dynamic for Jeanette from the dynamic that I was working with when I wrote her in the in the book and she's it's it, it's 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 different and um she she's much more an actor much less a victim uh, she's much more a person who who and this is why i think to some extent that carrie's portrayal has attracted some of the attention that it's that it's attracted because she's an actor here even though she's not acting skillfully or cleanly or 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 you know under always under control but she's acting. She's she's trying to find a way for herself. Whereas in my book, I think I I, I think I made her much more passive, and 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 Paul just found something to 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 write, and was always to write that I didn't find to write. It's so interesting that it can be, uh, you know. I think about it now, and if we'd written the whole script thinking about just Richard's intent, you know, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. Then you're just writing an essay about why Richard Ford's a good writer or something, and this is a good yeah. book, you know, so it was you discovering your own, you know, part of yourself, and it might, I mean, they're, they're probably just different, about different things, you know, sure. um, which yeah. is fascinating yeah. and kind of cool, and, um, and I remember with the Jeanette character, you know, that was something where you know, parts of yourself, and it's fun because this was my first time writing, so it was mm. my first experience of going, suddenly Jeanette is saying something, I remember, I don't even know if this is in the book, and, and if it is, then I'm misremembering don't ask, don't it. Don't ask but, me, I won't. But, you know, <laughs> uh, she says something like, you don't want to be like me, you know, to her son, and like that, I remember when my mom saying that to me, mm. and being like, why, wait, why, what's wrong? You wrote that. Yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe, yeah, 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 I think so, but you know, somehow it works. Uh, it's coming from somewhere else, but now you're suddenly creating things for the, the new character. Right? You know, you, you, you write a line like that, and then, and then you have to write the consequence to a line like that. It's fortuitous when you write it, perhaps, or spontaneous when you write it, but then once you put it down, you have it, 
and it has a source of strength, emotional strength, and then you, when I say run with it or go with it, what you do then is you write the consequence of that, what somebody else thinks or says, then what somebody else thinks or says. It takes it in a whole other direction from what its original material might have been. I mean, I, I, I was reading uh, an interview that you did at some point, uh, Richard, and it's interesting how uh, a particular novel might attract uh, uh, Paul to approach to you to make a film like this, and yet maybe deep down there's a real sort of like fundamental philosophical ag agreement between the two of you as artists, whether or not that's uh, you knew that going into it. But you were saying something about, and I'm going to paraphrase or, or butcher it, and hopefully it will sound familiar to you, um, this notion of being uncomfortable with the notion of character in some way. That character is uh, in some ways not really related to the human experience, is that we are not fixed characters. We're not, you know, our, 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 our borders are more porous and that we evolve in, in unpredictable ways and from one moment to the next we might be different people and and you write and certainly that's evidence evidenced by your fiction um i also feel like that's that's certainly in what i'm seeing in terms of these characters and wildlife um which is i think a tricky thing to pull off in terms of uh direction for for actors to play, you know, that there's there, like, there, there's, there's, there's something that's quite lived about there being this porosity, but then really where does the character begin and end? This is, do you know, the, do you know what he's talking about? Cause it's yes, a great so, quote. It's a great quote of yes. yours and, and it, and it's, and it, and I think it also maybe comes from feeling like where you come from in your family, it's not like you talked about who you guys were. It was more like through your actions. So you were kind of always putting together the pieces after the fact. Yes. After the fact. Yeah which I feel the same way. And, and in fact, when I read that, I made a lot of sense. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I also think like it would be so, it would make me so angry to, when, you know, I mean, sometimes some brains work, you, they have to, things have to be black and white to understand the world. So it, people like to put boxes and labels on things. But for me, it's so gray. Mm -hmm. And to be reductive about the human experience or like my you know, emotional life um, is just not something that would excite me at all. Um, and it feel, would feel like a betrayal to, you, you know, what, what I'm trying to make something about. But I wonder if it also comes from like a family that doesn't talk about like, you know, what they're feeling or something and you're sort of left kind of putting it together. And I think you talked about that was sort of almost an entrance into making up stories or characters. Exactly. I mean, there doesn't seem to me to be very much difference between writing a, writing a novel and living a life. Mm. Um, you're, you're just dealing with and trying to make cohesive what happens next. And what happens next is sometimes uh, uh, something that you cause, and sometimes it's something that nothing causes. Sometimes it's something that other people cause um, that you can't control, and yet you, because you are the center of your own life, you're trying to make up a kind of cohesive narrative about it. And one of the ways that we inherit that notion of how that narrative is, is energized is to posit that we have a kind of center and that that's kind of an Emersonian notion of a mass in our middle that, that, we, that, that, that authorizes what we do. But I've never found that mass. And I've never found it to be true in anybody else. I think it's just all like, we're all like ants on a cupcake. <laughs> um, maybe we should leave, let that sit for a little bit. Um, 
But Paul, as, as an actor, is, is that how you always approach parts too, in the idea of a character, that, that there needs to be a porosity, there needs to be something that's not so ascribed, and that, that might at times cause tension in terms of there being a real intent behind a character, but then you want to soften that a bit, or you want to, to make that more diffuse? Well, I, I actually, I think so, but you know, I think it's just how it also, how just it is to me and how life is to me. I mean, I remember, you know, there's definitely like a style of acting that is um, like the feed it down the tube style of acting, the tube being the camera, which is like yeah. a really feed it down the tube. It's something somebody said once and it makes a lot of sense and it's perfect for like an action movie, right? Where you know the camera's gonna push in on one moment and you say a line and you know, it's, it doesn't need to be anything else but that. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I don't think that's my strong suit anyways, but only because that's just not my experience of the world. Yeah. Um, that seems like what great acting is. That just seems to me not feeding it down the tube. But but you know when the when the when the actors come to you and say you know they they want to get a kind of a line on what are the motivations for this and how but, but you you're, you're just winging it when you do that I mean you're you're kind of thinking you're trying to trying trying to sound authoritative and and reduce it a little bit but really and truly you probably think to yourself mm, gee I'll say this but maybe yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 that's you know I I might just not be confident enough to even do that because I I think it's a lot of it's just about searching like you know you're you're poking around and you know you're trying to be in a moment um it is acting is probably you know much different than making a film or writing is you know in that regard um you're kind of trying to stay in, in a slightly unknowable space as well mm -hmm. you need to i do think you you know intent is important but then you throw it away and you know you learn your scales then forget them kind oh. of you know uh, it's dramatic it's music. dramatic to stay in that space yeah because you don't know what's going to happen next and 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 if you're if you're intent and, and intense and, and you're and you're keeping what's as much as you can in your brain at the same, all at one time, what you say is going to be an issuance from all that stuff. Mm. And it, it, it's not that you can't be wrong, you can be wrong. You can say the wrong thing, but, but you have a chance of saying something interesting. Mm. If you're, because you know, there's a script, but there is no script in a sense. Yeah. What I find so interesting about the ants on the cupcake <laughs> is, no, no, seriously. I knew, no, I knew no, there no, was great. more there. It's great because that could be viewed as not cynical, but like the writing is so compassionate, right? I find so much love in your writing. So, you know, that doesn't feel like ants on a cupcake to me. Uh, and it's interesting that we're talking about a book and a film that's from a kid's point of view, because I don't think a kid is looking at ants on a cupcake. You're trying to make sense of the mess, you, you know? So it's, it's provisional. Know. That sense is provisional. It's not, it's not a sense that's going to last much past the end of the movie. Um, it's not going to last much past the end of the book, but it's a provisional sense that gives the reader something to contemplate and have a conversation with. In terms of the, from the kid's point of view, is that's the moment you want to be reassured. You want to be reassured that there's a meaning, that there's a purpose, that there's something fixed, and instead you're finding out it's quite the opposite, is that there is, that it is, we are ants the cupcake, that there is no, um, that we're not destined to become a certain person. That What's the virtue of art? Yeah. It's the virtue of art, that it, that, that, that it fixes something provisionally mm. while you're in it. And then you go out of it, and then 
there are all the ants. But but for that but that for that moment there is a solace and there is a pleasure and mm -hmm. there and there is a a kind of almost renewal. Um, but I would love to know, Richard, you said the people have approached you before. There are no other adaptations in the works in terms of your other, your, 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 your fiction? No. <laughs> <clears throat> no. No, I'm, I'm not an easy person to work with at the beginning. Uh -huh. and, and, I, and I get easier as things go along. But if, but if, it, if it doesn't happen because I'm, I'm not easy to work with at the beginning, then it just doesn't happen. And that's usually what most people mm. have an interest in. They, they, they want to say... You know, you know, I've, I've, I've got this book under option. That's what they want to say. Well, to get that book under option with me, you've, you've got to go through me. And um, <laughs> I've driven off more people than I've cozied up to. Mm. But you can't, you know, I, I'd seen his work. Yeah. And I, I, I knew what kind of a person he was from what kind of actor he is. I'd mm. seen things that he did. And so when we had lunch one day, uh, it was all corroborated for mm. me. I just thought, well, this is a, mm. this is a human being. Mm -hmm. that's, that's quite something. <laughs> yeah. Who's also an ant on a cupcake when it comes down that's to right. it? That's right. That's right. Thank you both so uh, much. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Angie. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.